0: This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes.
1: Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. I Care A Lot follows Marla Grayson, who is a very immoral, crooked legal guardian who makes it a habit of draining the savings of her elderly wards. Marla may or may not have met her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. The seed of this concept came from a news piece that Mm writer-director Jay Blakeson saw, and... Then he started to research how real this scenario is, but he thought to himself, well, if I write this from the victim's perspective, it will be so upsetting, it won't be entertainment. So he thought, well, let me turn this on its head and write something comedic, I guess satire, from the the villain's POV. And that villain is our complicated woman, Marla Grayson. Marla Grayson
0: fucking lioness <laughs>
1: <laughs> she is a lioness but she is truly evil she's harming old disabled
0: people who are alone Just
1: not not a lot of sympathy for for this one
0: no i i have here she's greedy cunning ruthless ambitious See, smart well i love all of those things lynching <laughs> yeah I don't know about greedy and cunning. You like greedy and cunning? Um,
1: Well, I guess if greedy's ambition taken too far, I guess you're right. Yeah. Cunning,
0: I do like. I do. Yeah. Hers is probably taken too far. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Smart, believe me. Smart, ambitious. We love all that. Refuses to back down, you know, but that you're right. All even when she's clearly messed with the wrong senior citizen.
1: (laughs) In the face of certain death. She still will not back down. It's pretty amazing. And Rosamund Pike pulls it off beautifully. But the comparisons to Amy Dunn are inevitable and everywhere. Some people were put off by this because it is, Marla does seem very similar to Amy Dunn. Frankly, that's what drew me in. I can't disagree with that fact. It just, That, to me, was like a bonus. I was like, oh, good, of course. I'll watch Amy Dunn do anything. But the big difference for me was that Amy Dunn had a whole backstory and had a reason for going after the person she was going after. Now, as we've discussed, her reaction was outsized. It was inappropriate for what had happened, but it was still very much rooted in reality. And Marla does not have either any of that backstory and all the people she's going after are completely innocent people.
0: Definitely. And I think you and I talked about this a little bit offline in connection with the unlikable female protagonist and that article we had read about, you know, sort of, do we need our female villains to have a backstory, you know, to sanitize what they're doing and make us feel better about why they're quote unquote bad. And I think you and I were both saying, it's not that we necessarily need a backstory, but what we like in all characters, male and female, is to just have the the complexity and the dimension and knowing a little bit, even if just even a little bit about, you know, their backstory or how they got there or other aspects of them just sort of enriches the character generally and makes them more multidimensional. And we want to see that in males and females. Although I think I said, I do wonder, like that article was saying, if it's harder for us as a society to sort of swallow it if it's a female you were suggesting
1: people need it for women need it but like it for men you know it's like oh that's that's a bonus what an interesting bit of color yes exactly
0: but i do you know there was i read an article about this and they said among anti-heroines you know marla grayson is a rarity she is unequivocally irredeemable she's given perhaps intentionally not much of a backstory no children to justify her ill deeds like Cersei Lannister does in Game of Thrones and only a thin romantic storyline with her partner Fran who's deep in it with her but slightly more shakable. Grayson is the embodiment of the pitfalls of capitalism. She's greedy for greed's sake. And the, the article went on to ask like well does the audience sort of need an out? Like we're saying like a legitimate reason for a character to behave badly which usually comes through a backstory or do we need them if they're truly bad, to be redeemed or rehabilitated at some point in the story, because you get neither of that here. You know, you don't get the backstory, and you don't really get any rehabilitation on her part. And are the rules different for males and females?
1: Right. Well, we'll talk about that with that ending. I mean,
0: yeah, but the uh, yeah, reha- exactly the
1: rehabilitation aspect of it. But I'm not sure I, I agree with what you just read. I the the love story was maybe thin, but demonstrative. I thought it really did Mm -hmm. give her dimension. People say like, if somebody loves you, that there's just some humanity to that. Yeah, But this was more than that. There was, I mean, we saw Marla actually being a human. And we'll talk about this later in scenes. But but there were moments when we see her not just loved by someone, but, but loving someone. And the good and the bad and so I, I don't know if I agree with that and I also definitely disagree with the fact that she was greedy for greed's sake her first speech is about that she was once like us she was wronged somehow and so she became the other there is a hint of a backstory we have no idea what it means we have no idea that could be so many different things but there is definitely a hint at this is not who she always was and she's not Gordon Gecko up there giving a speech greed is good. She's like greed is necessary because if I am not greedy, if I'm not being taken, someone's taking me. And that is her perspective on the world. And so that's a little different to me. But yeah. But I think the the article's point still stands. She is she is purely an evil person there's not a lot there that redeems her as far as being good
0: they said that they use like wolf of wall street as sort of a comparison or an inspiration to leo uh, leonardo dicaprio's character but they also were comparing it you know like to some of our favorites and saying how she isn't as relatable to maybe the more vulnerable self-destructive female leads like eve and killing eve or the brass dysfunction of Fleabag, like that, she's much more impenetrable. Yeah, I and to, I, I like yeah. that. I like that they exactly. Don't, they don't all I thought have that to, made sense.
1: Yeah, they don't all have to be the same. I really do like that she is ironclad. I mean, it it is almost comedic, satire, farcical. How I mean, she narrowly escapes her own death. I mean, it's crazy the extremes that she is sent to. And she still just like comes walking out you know it's almost yes. like an action hero walking out from the the fire you're like that's impossible you could not have survived that but here she is with her swagger
0: with like the smoke behind her
1: <laughs> I Wolf of Wall Street I don't know about that comparison the Leonardo DiCaprio had a lot more fun with his disgusting greed. Uh, and I right. I would have liked that in
0: this. Like when can women enjoy being greedy capitalist pigs? Like I want Well towards the end they're having fun, which we'll get to, but I mean there's like a, in the montage, you know, they're they're of the end of the movie they're having fun, swinging champagne and driving the convertible and Make an ad, and they they got married. Now they seem to, but again, that was like a one minute montage. Yeah, of, and not at um, all
1: like Leonardo DiCaprio's. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they did ask Rosamund Pike about this having no backstory because it seems like it is a question people have, and she said one of the things about a character who's very unlikable who keeps you. On side is the fact that she's not asking anything of you. She's not asking you to like her. She's not asking you to feel for her. She's not suddenly halfway through the movie delivering you a tragic backstory and saying, well, this is why I'm like how I am. I think those are the kinds of moves that derail a character like this. And it's something I really admire in the screenplay for not doing. I
1: agree. I did not want a big vulnerable moment this that wasn't this character I just would have liked one more line like you know when my daddy did me wrong like it's or like my ex left me bereft there just some little bit of like where was that turning how was she nine was she 25 was it last year you know did it happen at work was it a boss was it a relative I just would have liked, but I agree, I I liked seeing just someone who was cold and calculated and unapologetic, and we didn't need that vulnerable moment that explains everything in this, uh, to me, in this character. She did say one thing about,
0: I've been poor, like it doesn't agree with me or something.
1: But being poor isn't the same as being taken, right? No. So I, right, so she so grew up poor, and then, I don't and know, no. right, I don't That's know. why she
0: And she saw people with money as people having power. Yeah, which is true.
1: So do we want to move on to scenes?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: My first one is the scene with Chris Messina. So Marla swindles Jennifer, played by Diane West. She thought Jennifer was a helpless little old lady with a lot of money and no family. That's what the doctor said. That's what their brief research showed. But it turns out, obviously, Jennifer is the mother of a notorious mob boss in Peter Dinklage. And he would very much like his mom back. So this, this scene, what I'm calling a scene, actually starts with a close-up of Marla in spin class, which I just love. Oh. There's like a beat
0: going. She's yes.
1: dripping with sweat. She's got this super intense look in her eyes.
0: Can I just interrupt you? Yeah. Like, what is it with movies where they want to show intensity in women? They have them do a spin class. I was think or spinning. I was thinking yeah. of Jen Harding on mm-hmm. when she's so angry and mm-hmm. yeah, dead to me, and she just gets on the fucking Peloton and is like <laughs> like is that just like the universal workout for like <laughs> The women who, I don't know, angry or intense. whatever. But I, don't, I
1: think it's intense? just – Intense? I think it's I of know. the moment, right? I think – Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think it's very of the moment. And yeah. that maybe – You know, I think a run probably would have done it, you know, yeah. in the 80s or 90s, right? But now right. it's all about the – Spinning. Spitting, yes.
0: Yeah. So go ahead. So yes, I know So then we
1: cut to her incredible red high heel walking into work. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing a sharp pantsuit She takes a seat and then Chris Messina, the lawyer for Jennifer, comes in. And he is all honey and sweet. And she's like, all right, come in. Get to the point. And he starts, Jennifer's fine. You've made a mistake. She says, when was the last time you saw Jennifer? It was a few weeks. She's like, a few, two, three. She's (laughs) relentless. And Mm -hmm. she delivers her lies with absolute perfection, unflinching. She is sucking on her signature vape pen, which is just such a brilliant device, right?
0: <laughs> what a great prop. Oh, absolutely so good.
1: And it's consistent throughout the whole movie. I love it. And he finally has to start resorting to threats, veiled threats first. And and then, it, but again, she's not flinching. And he says, my client can make your life uncomfortable. She asks, how uncomfortable are we talking? He says aggressively and excessively uncomfortable she doesn't care she's not scared she's intrigued actually and he's like all right I didn't want to have to do this and he opens up the suitcase full of money and she says if your opening gambit is 150,000 then I think Jennifer is worth a lot more than that she asks for five million dollars <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean this is the scene is so brilliantly scripted and so brilliantly acted by both Rosamund Pike and Chris Messina, so brilliant. And he finally is like, "Are you saying no?" She goes, "I'm
0: saying yeah. no, no, thank you."
1: It's so good. <laughs>
0: good. And then he and you get this sense that he's never had anybody turn him down. Absolutely, a like-
1: hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash that's in a suitcase right in front of you. And I think he goes up to three hundred thousand. He says three hundred. She goes three hundred million. <laughs>
0: so good <laughs> I know.
1: and then he walks out though with really ominous like you don't know what you're doing and he says right mm. now look at what you have a thriving business employees a nice face unbroken bones when this is through you're not gonna have any of those things none of them mm. which is just I mean you just have the feel It's this is such a turning point you're like okay there's no going this is back. Game on. Yes, game yep. on. And mm-hmm. she, what does she say when he says all of that? Goodbye, Dean. Curtis will validate your parking <laughs> on the way out. Oh,
0: <laughs> seriously, that love... was yeah the first showdown. That's when you realize who we're dealing with here. Yeah,
1: and I yeah. got
0: Christmasina is just
1: fantastic yeah. he's so slick but somehow slick. endearing he, exactly.
0: uh, in, in someone and then at else. the end you really get the sense that he's like lady don't do this yes. like meaning like, this really is going to be bad for you and I don't want it to be bad yes. for you but yes. I can't help you if you're not going to take the
1: pile of money absolutely it's such both of them such nuanced performances I, I really this was like I watched that scene the first time I'm like this is iconic
0: so I feel like that maybe my next one with that which is the showdown with with peter dinklage when he's kidnapped her and has her out in the i don't know wherever they are and the first their first run-in i guess you will so but to your point after he says basically you know like next time you you could have broken broken bones look around at what you have and now this scene is we see well what is going to happen which is now she's been been kidnapped by him she's got like the plastic bag over her head and just her again just defiance and lack of fear i mean he tells her he's going to kill her tells her first like oh look at this picture which is sort of the classic thing someone these does in these situations they show a picture of a loved one and tell you like you know (laughs) we know we know where she is and this is your mother and she's like go ahead I don't give a shit about that sociopath and you're like whoa so there is a little piece of backstory if you will but again just a little snippet Mm. clearly shouldn't give shit about her family um, or her mother so she's sort of like nice try like that threat's not gonna work (laughs) and so he's just like I'm going to kill you now and she's like go ahead and he's like you're not scared and she's like do you remember how scary it was in 1807 and he's like well no and she's like basically like I can't be afraid of something that I won't even feel or won't like I'll be dead (laughs) It's just like, and she just is just so unflinching in this, and just doesn't care. And then she, but again, is resourceful. So it's like you don't have to kill me; I can be bought. It's just your your man didn't have enough money. Like it was just so he's like, so how much do you want? She's like, ten million. I love that. I love a- that she's doubled <laughs> it from what her asking with with her
1: guy as like, she's about to die
0: exactly now you want double what you asked for before okay and that's when you know she has one of her speeches that I love and we might have talked about this on the other one when she says to him he's like you don't even seem afraid and you don't seem scared and she said well to make it in this country you need to be brave and stupid and ruthless and focused because playing fair being scared that gets you nowhere that gets you beat you know that And I want to be rich, Mr. Lunyov. I want to be very fucking rich. And my bet is that $10 million, that's not such a big deal for you, but for me, that's a start. That's enough to be able to use money as a weapon, like a bludgeon, the way real people do. That's what I want. So she's basically facing death, not afraid at all, doubles her amount, and then delivers this fantastic speech about how she wants to be fucking rich. I love that yeah and
1: what's so incredible about rosamund pike she can do unflinching with emotion she's never like robotic she's never like i don't care there is so much fire and anger and so much emotion behind everything she's doing even when i can imagine like you're reading the script and it's just like this person's a detached sociopath and you're like no she is feeling this she is experiencing this and yet, she conveys that unflinchingness. Yes. So, well, so my next scene comes soon after this. After they pour alcohol down her throat and she's passed out, and they send her car off into a, a, a lake to die, and she
0: like my worst nightmare uh, being trapped in a car underwater.
1: Uh, yeah. So I think it's probably a lot of people's. That's why they use it. I know. It. <laughs> it's just so scary to me. This scene is, for me, carrying the milk. That m- milk container is almost a character in these few scenes. So she survived yeah. the impossible. She walks to a convenience store. She oh, grabs the quart yeah. of milk out of the you know refrigerator. And you see the camera follows the milk. And then she walks down the the aisles she's soaking wet soaking wet she's grabbing (laughs) like a sweatshirt she's grabbing a Uh t-shirt she's grabbing a whole bunch of candy and she Mm -hmm. takes a sip of the milk and then she puts her tooth that we've seen her pull out of her mouth because it's Mm -hmm. from the accident and she drops the tooth in the milk it is always in the shot. The milk is always with her. She, when she gets in the cab, you see it in her lap. When she gets out of the cab, she's mm-hmm. still slinging it. Like it's a gun or something. Like I can see her like a, in a old Western. Like it's, <laughs> right? Like it's the gun is is her milk. And then she gets out of the, the Uber or whatever. And she knows that something has happened. She sees the window mm-hmm. to her door is broken. She knows something's going on inside. So she puts the milk on the step. Because, like to keep it safe or something? I don't know. I don't know. And then she goes inside. And this is what I was talking about. We do have lots of great scenes with Eliza Gonzalez who plays Fran, her yeah. her girlfriend wife. And we see fun. We see s- stolen moments, like real care between the two of them. But here is where we see the depth of her heart and her yeah, vulnerability. I
0: like this scene.
1: Yeah, because she—I mean, she gets home from being nearly murdered and and this showdown with a mobster. She never once sheds a tear. She is a total hard ass, oblivious to the physical and psychological pain she had gone through that whole time. And there she sees Fran on the ground, and she is a hysterical, heaping mess. mess.
0: And it's so
1: beautiful and so powerful, that spectrum to go from like so icy, dying, almost dying, to being a mess and crying and doing everything she can to save her. She jumps into action, and she's kissing her and hugging her, and it's a lot. But then on the way out, she grabs the milk from the step and then they drive away seconds before the entire house
0: explodes oh yeah carrying so the milk good. the milk but we have the milk yeah but you you it, it is true you do get the vulnerable side there without it being seemingly disingenuous or out of character or anything it's it, again not a huge moment but a big impact I think, in terms of who she is.
1: Absolutely. And this is a woman who's not going to even shed a tear after all of the pain she's been in. And yet, when she sees Fran in that same amount of pain, passed out, you know, kind of bruised and beaten, she is a mess. I thought she was going to be dead when I when I
0: first walked in. I was like, oh, God, yeah.
1: Yeah, but, you know, that would have just made it too easy to for more. then we would have turned into john wick right then it's yes, a, that's a whole different exactly. movie exactly
0: different movie yeah yeah <laughs> to the ending a lot happened in those last 15 minutes a lot happened and what's really interesting is
1: people have Mm -hmm. such strong opinions right I know I didn't
0: know either until I looked it up none of which were my original strong opinion I wonder
1: if anyone walked away from that movie happy because it seems like if you liked so in my opinion there were three endings to this movie the first one was Mm -hmm. when she and Peter Dinklage get together and decide to work together it could have ended right. with them in that hospital yep. waiting room and said, yeah, like, let's join forces. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. an, in- And it could have been a really interesting ending. But then it went on to having her rise to fame, which mm-hmm. was a whole different ending. She not only follows through with their deal, but she is spectacular. She has spectacular success and she's seem- seemingly getting everything she's ever wanted and then that third ending is the the guy from the beginning from the very first scene who is attacking her comes back this time with a
0: gun and shoots and kills her. Right. But even that's not the final shot. Meaning her bleeding out is not even the final shot. I It could have even ended there just when you see her hand and blood on the sidewalk. Then it actually cuts to back to that interview with where she's on like CNN or whatever. And then she's got one there's like one more little Q&A but with the interviewer that's actually the final scene
1: right but well it has to be obviously flashback because she's dead
0: yeah but it's well they, they were all happy Like she just walked out of the interview right then there's the then she gets killed but yes it's a flashback but I'm saying a lot of people said what well, I don't remember it this no no end. so I
1: don't remember that what what and what was the, the interview
0: oh so they said it was also they say it was like seemingly intended as a cheeky nod to like her gone girl but anyway at the very so the very end the very last scene is her back at that interview so you, you're right it is really a flashback but it's a, a clip of that interview she's still in the white dress and there's a voice over and so that well no the interviewer asks, so with all the success are you still ambitious are there dreams you still want to achieve and Marla responds peter i'm only just getting started and then the interviewer thanks her and she replies, thanks, it's been fun with this really devilish look on her face. That's actually the final scene instead of just her bleeding out on the sidewalk.
1: But those are still three points of ending that, and and mostly people don't really talk about the, the one, the first one that, that that could have just ended there. But people who hated that she got successful were very happy she got shot. And then people who were, who were happy with her success were upset she got shot and it was just like who walked away happy from this movie and are striking reactions people were like oh well at least thank god she got like some people will say i hated that movie she was terrible but at least she got shot and i was like oh and she was great and then she fucking got shot like there are no consequences like that in real life. That didn't, no, nothing ever, like, where is, I can think of lots of men who have done things like this that should be shot somewhere on the street, and they're not.
0: Right. And I said to you on the, on our last one, like, what's up with this? Like, mm-hmm. I are other people outraged that we finally get this really <laughs> ambitious, greedy like anti-heroine that we love for all the reasons we just described and in the end what happens she dies yeah. I'm like what did is this because we have a male screen right yeah and she's not only dies she's shot
1: by some jerky man who is pissed
0: I didn't see anyone making that complaint is my point about the sort of the female character because like you said I don't know that this happens but, I mean, Tony Soprano didn't you know or whoever these mafia characters but I like right. you mean think they don't was, get their comeuppance they don't get no. yeah they don't no. get the comeuppance no. I mean
1: Gordon Gecko who's still fucking alive doing sequels
0: that's what I'm saying so I just thought this is fucked up like we finally get the female equivalent and she has to die wait you didn't see that anywhere is that what you're telling me yeah, no, there's nothing about that. What they're saying, what what people say, is that really kind of what you're saying that it's 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 something for everyone. It satisfies viewers in one way or another. Although you're saying you weren't I satisfied right, with I me think me no one's satisfied. I agree with you. Whether you're rooting for or against Marla, like they said, and Roseman Pike says the ending gives you everything. I'm like, hmm, because it's like Marla wins by getting Grace and Guardianship Corporation, but then she, she dies. So people who want to believe in karma and justice being served sort of get. That with Marla's death, like
1: yes, you know you do get the you get the ending and the alternate ending. I'm talking about on an emotional level. The people who were against Marla and then she got shot, I do think they were satisfied. They, they, I just think they were annoyed for the whole movie and then were satisfied by the ending. Whereas if you were happy with the movie and compelled by her and thinking, "Wow, we've never seen anyone like this," then her getting shot then feels
0: shitty. It feels totally shitty. I mean. they're saying this was much more about greed and capitalism and our society and like her corporations and everything she's built is still going to live on and okay and you know that's why that scene where the very end that I'm saying where it says I'm just getting started they're saying like her work is still continuing and she will probably now just because she was killed will be glorified for it and she'll in history I'm like and that still doesn't make me feel better.
1: No. I it just doesn't. I would have liked to see
0: what she did.
1: And I, I would have liked to see her come up and be more of a real battle, like a real fight, a real display of justice prevailing. This was some fucking asshole loser who was mad at her for not being able to see his mommy. Like that is not how Marla Grayson goes down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No way.
0: Yeah, I I was not happy with it either. It really was my first thought though, which is like, wait, they killed the woman? They 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 uh, wait? like they killed her off? We finally like this isn't how these things no end. No,
1: not when it's a man not not when it's a man that's not how it ends they continue to have no. i mean i would i would have liked to have a sequel come on that's a good one wolf of wall street you brought up that as a comparison mm-hmm. he went to like faked jail got to play tennis all the time that was his comeuppance and that was by the way a real life true story so right exactly exactly overall i thought the movie the movie did what I love
0: movies to do which is to get us talking and agreeing and disagreeing and this the character Marla Grayson will be with us in a prototype I think for a long time Rosamund Pike and
1: love what you said I I love to think of her as a prototype and someone else will build on this and think to themselves oh I can do this in a different way oh well, speaking of, as we have been, Rosamund Pike, that is who we're featuring for our What She Said section, because honestly, this is not an award-winning and nominated film without her performance. She is, she carries this movie to the, the nth degree. There is no one in my mind who can play a villain like she can. And I talked about this in the Unlikable Female Protagonist episode, I think, there's definitely part of it that is she's so pretty she has blonde hair she has this deep voice and commanding presence and yet here she is doing these terrible horrible things and there's just something about that dichotomy that is so intriguing and even she has a really sharp harsh haircut in this and but in Gone Girl it's so soft and wavy blonde you're like this is like america's sweetheart oh but here she is gonna murder you
0: yeah (laughs) there is something subversive right out of the gate about that her appearance versus yeah what she's playing
1: so what do you have from miss pike
0: well i have one that i did read on the unlikable female protagonist but i do love it and it's why she what she was attracted to in terms of marla grayson as a character She said, she was everything I've wanted to see in a woman on screen. She's allowed to do the things that men have always been allowed to do. Be ruthless, ambitious, strive for exactly what she wants, shamelessly and unambiguously. She has no fear of not being liked. She's out to win. She wants to make money. All of the things that have not been considered feminine qualities, she has them in spades. And I love that. And I think that's what we've been talking about on here, about what we love about her too. And that's what attracted her to the role. And she killed it.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it is just a different, like she says in the beginning of the quote, it's just something we haven't seen. And I mean, I don't want to hang out with Marla. You know, I don't want her to, to be my maid of honor, but this is a compelling character and one we really haven't seen. So that's worth watching the movie for. Yes, exactly. My quote, she was doing an interview and she said how people often come up to her both for this movie and for Gone Girl and say, you know, you scared me. You you were scary. And that was actually your reaction as well. Yeah. So that
0: really But I'm not scared by Marla, but I'm scared of Amy. Oh, that's whoa. Oh yeah, whoa. I'm not scared of Marla at all. Wait, I know. Why? Yeah. I don't Wait, know. Marla's more. Amy- well,
1: oh, Amy Amy didn't scare me. Marla scared me. She oh, anyone Amy could was be like her killing victim. Killing people. Yeah, Marla's well, doing worse. Marla would be better to kill those people and take their money, but she can't. She has to keep them trapped and locked and institutionalized. Oh, that's my worst nightmare. Dying is not my worst nightmare. Having all agency taken from me and institutionalized is my
0: I thought she seemed nightmare. more psychotic and manipulative and and evil i don't know or, or let's just go back to my damage from unlikable or what's your theme i just must find the am truly ambitious unlikable characters to be relatable and so then so that's where i put wait, marla you so maybe Amy that's it Dunn
1: was ambitious
0: mm. wait what uh, yeah but i mean i think she was uh, motivated more by what had happened in her marriage and and being pissed off that Her husband had cheated on her. I mean, this Marla is just like out for money, money, success, ambition. You know what I mean? Ambitious like that. And so I, I don't, as I've said in that other one, find those people to even be unlikable. Right, right, right. No, no, I agree with you on on ambition,
1: but I had not been looking at it. through the lens of monetary success or... Yeah, money and success is where I
0: put Marla Moore in that camp. Right.
1: I I think of Ambitious as just willing to bite off more than you can chew. Okay. Uh, I think both of them are that for sure. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay, but they're scary in their own ways. Yes, go ahead. So she said, it's interesting how
1: many people say they were scared of me watching both this film and Gone Girl. And what I think is scary is that the characters themselves are plausible. They're believable. Mm. And you could feel that you could easily be taken in by these women. It's always uncanny and unsettling when someone who appears to be everything that we would trust actually has such a dark heart and is so morally bankrupt. And I, I found that fascinating. I'm not scared by any of these people. I do find these women thrilling Again, I don't want to – they're not personally aspirational for me. They are not, you know, like someone I want to hang out
0: with. But I find them absolutely thrilling. Okay. Do you find the men thrilling? No. That's just going to say, yeah, because you find them – you find the women thrilling because we never get to see exactly. This. Yes. Yeah, ab- I get that. But totally. yet,
1: I think there are so many men doing exactly what Amy Dunn and Marla Grayson do and they call it, like, life <laughs> Like, why is it either thrilling or scary? That's what I don't quite understand.
0: Interesting. Because I mean, we
1: have already talked about the Gordon Gecko, the, you know, the real life CEOs that are greedy, and like the Jordan Belfort, the, is that his name? The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, these are real people. And yet, No one's scared of them or no one's hoping they get shot by some schmo in the parking lot the way Marla Grayson did. Why is that? I just, you know, and then forget about the Amy Dunn role reversal. I mean, men killing women, their wives, because they get in the way of what they want, is more, is so incredibly common. It's disgusting. And then there are ones that, you know, the few that make the headlines, Lacey Peterson, There was a woman in Colorado, Shannon Watts, the guy killed her and both of their kids because he wanted to be with his girlfriend and just was ready to move on. There's a Netflix documentary about them. Jennifer Dulos was also in Connecticut. Husband killed her and then killed himself. Like These are real people that are doing what Marla Grayson and Amy Dunn have done and I just don't feel like they get the same
0: treatment. No, no, they definitely don't. And I, I don't know. This is this has got to do with, with society conditioning, and right? conditioning, definitely. Yeah. And I actually have another quote, and it's sort of related, but just how oh, – I can read it, but just about how both these characters, Amy Dunn and Marla Grayson, sort of take advantage of how society sort of underestimates women – and they sort of use those things to their advantage to get what they want or to execute their plan or whatever. And maybe that's it. We just think with men, we sort of expect them to do these things. So that's what, probably why it's less thrilling. But
1: but it's not thrilling off. in real life. Like all of those no, stories. I don't no, know if you
0: know, are familiar
1: with Lacey Peterson, Shannon Watts, Jennifer Dulos. I mean, those are horrifying real life stories.
0: No, I know they're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. not thrilling yeah. in real life. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I know um, you weren't
1: suggesting that, but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah.
0: There's actually there there are a she was got asked a lot of things about the comparisons with Amy Dunn and, mm-hmm. and Marla Grayson, including like, are you just gonna keep playing these people? And she's sort of like, I don't just keep playing these people, but they're both amazing roles, and yeah, I mean, they're fun for me. So, screw you. Please so, do, yeah exactly but this was interesting because now she's of course has the the distance of and time since playing amy and there was a lot of things she said that she didn't really realize until while she was playing amy and now it's years later that she's looked back and she says i've thought about amy now and i've seen the film i didn't think about amy while i was making the film what they both do these characters is take traditional notions of femininity the things that people expect in their women the qualities and use them to their advantage, mimic them, portray them very convincingly. Amy, it's sort of making herself the tragic victim for the whole of America. And you think she is the victim until you realize she's controlling the whole story. And with Marla, she's very convincing in court. She appears trustworthy, an upstanding citizen, has the interest of the people at heart. She's responsible, reliable, she's a caretaker, a caregiver. And then you realize she's none of those things. She's just using these people for everything she can get out of them. But she's convincing at role playing. And I think I enjoy taking all those parts of being a woman and sort of using and abusing them. It's an interesting and unsettling place to play in as an actor. And I, and I think I would add as a viewer, that's why we love these. Because it is an interesting and unsettling place and thing to see I think in female characters
1: so you think that it hinges on her using her femininity yeah I guess is that I wonder if that's different from the idea that I was saying how it's kind of striking to see the difference of this kind of beautiful blonde
0: woman being so dark I don't know to me those seem different they do but i think there's something to both of those things with this i mean Hmm. i don't know she also said i care a lot it is about giving women the equal rights to be awful too (laughs) which of course i love because we all we've been saying that all along just let us be awful too i mean that's what we want to see in these just want the same opportunity in characters that female characters that men have had forever
1: I hope that there are many screenwriters out there who just see her as a muse. Like, let me write the most awful person who will be able to pull it off. And I don't know many other actresses who could do this. I don't, even the blonde, beautiful ones, right? I just don't know Who else has this in them? And she, I hope she is a forever muse for people. Just keep writing the Amy Dunn's and the Marla Grayson's and let her play them. This is, it's fantastic. And I don't know that a lot of other people could pull it off. So, no,
0: I agree with you. She should do as many as possible. So, who won the movie? Oh my gosh. You know, I wasn't sure if we were going to do that. And then this morning, all of a sudden, I was like, oh crap. If we are, I haven't thought about it. But then I thought, oh my, I just don't know how the answer could be anything other than Rosamund Pike. Is there, I hope you have another answer because I, okay, good. Because I just thought, I don't know. It's related. Okay. It's Rosamund Pike's clothing. Her, (laughs)
1: yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and and so I would I would give it to Deborah Newhall, who is the costume designer for this movie. Ah, okay. And I read a lot of interviews with her. I was actually going to use her for my "What She Said," and I was like, no, she's she belongs in "Who Won the Movie." And she talked a lot about her process for this movie. And she said when she had first read the script, she had planned a whole palette and done sketches of all these like dark stuff to make it come across how dark and evil she is and she showed them to jay blakeson and he was like oh no this is this is a comedy this is you can't do all this dark stuff Mm -hmm. and so she went back to the drawing table she was like once i got that i went back i read the whole thing and i saw it in a different light and she started with like really bright bold colors and she said that she wanted to keep them very simple, no florals, no patterns, not a lot of distractions, just big, huge, bold colors. And we see that throughout. She talks about the suit in daffodil yellow that she wears when she goes to Jennifer's house and she appears so friendly and sunny and she used that she says against Marla's dark character to keep you on your toes you think she's pleasant and reliable so does Jennifer but it's all calculated to make this impression to deceive and conquer her new valuable ward so yeah I thought that was interesting and she has these high heels all the time and you know that that trench coat that's so feminine, but also kind of a nod to like the gangster in a in a trench coat. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: what I was thinking. Yeah,
1: and then by the end, the white suit is when she
0: has. Oh, in the red dress. Did you say the red dress the, before the one
1: the, with the red dress? <laughs> that beautiful. That red, is, yeah, that's uh, she, when she. Yeah, that's her. Like, iconic from that. That's her Victoria Beckham personal dress.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. She, got it. She
1: looks fantastic, and it's so Uh, yeah it's such a standout and then by the end when she's in the white suit she's devoid of any color and that shows her journey from these big bright bold colors to the white she's become someone else her transformation is complete to something else which of course looks incredible when she bleeds out all over it too yes yes and then deborah she says i've done thousands of fittings and I found all different types. You have to be a teacher, a psychologist, and a mother. <laughs> I loved that, that. Oh, my God. That costume so true, designer that... is so much about what's in people's heads, too, what they expect to see. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, her clothes and the haircut, the whole oh. thing jumped off the screen and really almost right. like a character, like that milk carton, almost a character uh, in and of itself,
0: her clothes, the the bold blue
1: pantsuit, the yellow suit. The red dress, obviously. The yeah.
0: the white, yes. The, uh, that's a great call. That really did make it. And the vaping pen, I think, as you said earlier, in terms of an accessory, I don't know if that counts as the costume designer or who comes up with Good those. Good question. Um, I don't
1: know either, but that, yeah, that was definitely a big
0: part of her character. And you never see that either, you know? Like, I don't know, right? I mean, maybe someone's a cigarette smoker or someone. Yeah. yeah. Very Yeah,
1: unique. and, oh, well, great great could bring it back to cigarette I mean it is there were so many callbacks to traditional expectations the trench coat the 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 gangster the mobster who's smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. and so she has so many callbacks but they're all updated
0: and you know made
1: made unique for her
0: Uh, so what about a takeaway oh geez takeaway I mean my main takeaway was just like more please and I'm not (laughs) I think we basically meaning more Marla Grayson's and more characters like these and which is what we've been really saying all along and I was just I I guess it was I was also thinking of this in conjunction with our unlikable female protagonist and why is it we're just so thirsty for these characters and I know in part it's because we don't get them or we haven't I think it's definitely evolving like we said but you know I I feel like of course Given what we're interested in, that we want more. But, you know, what is it that that is so attractive to us about it? And, you know, there's a quote from Eliza Gonzalez, actually, who plays Fran. You know, she was the, the questioner, asked her, Well, this isn't necessarily a feminist film, but was there something inherently liberating to be able to play women that are seemingly devoid of shame? I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And she said, "Oh my God, the best! It was like a personal, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like a personal journey for both of us. She means her and Rosamond Pike. It was like, oh, we're here and we're questioning: should we even be doing this? Should we not be doing this? And we kept thinking, oh, I feel weird saying these things. And it was a great display. She said of how we're used to the way that society has set it up for us all has it set up for us all of these things that the society has predetermined for women that we should feel embarrassed if we're doing something that's inherently inappropriate. And it was really tricky for us, but it was so refreshing because as an actor and a woman, it was liberating. We got intoxicated with the feeling of it. And I thought maybe this is what's, what it's doing for us too, right? It's so intoxicating that they have no shame even though the things they're doing society is telling them you should feel shame oh oh no you should feel shame here and they were like you know what we're just doing it it's so liberating and I think we're all kind of intoxicated by it at least I feel that way I think you do too which is why we've been talking about it even on the last episode and this one
1: that is really interesting I really like that and I my takeaway was very similar to yours like more please more of this and I was almost going to go back on my is the unlikable female protagonist over because this is a different it it is more of a prototype of something that we haven't seen at all and I hope that prototype continues to evolve and and Marla Grayson 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 will be even more interesting but this feels different from what we were talking about in that episode which is The idea has evolved so much and there's so much nuance, but this is almost a whole new category. And I I want that. But that was such an interesting quote, how liberating that could be and that maybe we don't even realize it. Maybe it's all on a subconscious level. I think so. Because clearly they felt it just playing it. And so that's really interesting. I also wanted to comment on their relationship. I thought... I was a little worried about a man writing a lesbian couple. Is this going to be like, let me put two hot women together and watch them make out? That didn't feel that way to me at all. It really felt like they had all of the depth of a real relationship. They had, yeah, you know, little moments of holding hands. They did have... You know very movie romance like making out up the stairs and pulling their clothes off I and mean, right. that happens right. less right. in real life than it does in movies but it but it that felt very you know very like real felt ve- ve- very true and then also mm-hmm. obviously the depth of their relationship when when they're harmed and they don't know what to do and they're kind they're really in it together not just the work but the they're in their partnership they're in their relationship together and I thought it was really beautifully done I thought it was one of the better relationship movie relationships I've seen in a while male female 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 male male like
0: period right right. yeah I agree and even though you know it wasn't a ton in the movie what they did do I thought was done really well and I mean, I think also the fact that it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, there no. was nothing about no. it, right? Which is great yeah. now. I mean, that's, it was not like there was no aspect of it that was discussed or, yeah. oh, look, you just watched it, of course, which you should. It's just, it's yeah. a relationship. And you got, a well written relationship. Yes.
1: And you got the sense that they weren't very open, but you got that sense, or I did, that it was because of their work relationship that they weren't, yeah, like, I think so. Be making out in front of, like people they work right.
0: with or you know being it seemed consistent with the story yes, yes absolutely and appropriate for the story Yes, yeah.
1: and just you're right we didn't get a lot of it but that almost makes it harder to do sometimes when there's not a lot of something yeah. it can be it can just naturally kind of collapse on itself and be a little bit more one-dimensional and this managed to get three dimensions into kind of a really short short scenes and short aspect reminded me of poetry how (sighs) you know it goes straight to it and no no time to to mess around there was no setup there was no how did you get together there was no you know taking ire from people that i'm sure the same-sex couples still receive all the time but there what that wasn't what this was about this was about their relationship and their partnership and i think it was really
0: done well yeah i do too
1: good stuff I yes. like this movie uh, like a hundred percent better than I did and not that I didn't like it, but I like it even more now.
0: I know that we've talked think, about I it. I think preparing for this <laughs> and even for the unlikable female protagonist, and, and thanks to the to the followers on Instagram who sort of nudged us a little and we're Definitely. like there, there is, with their feedback. Here. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No,
1: for sure that was the thing that
0: made us look and say, You're right, maybe there's something here, something worth discussing we want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content.
1: Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their
0: characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology. And we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, bag, and I May Destroy You. Every
1: single aspect of this podcast, we do ourselves. From the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even
0: further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon.
1: To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash pop fiction women. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media.
0: Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women.
1: For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to
0: popfictionwomen.com and keep it complicated.